Yeah, to on the <laughs> outside of me seeing with my head forward like that with like a crew cut. Uh, look very, very simple. She was laughing her head off. You look very <laughs> simple. Yeah. School old Believe school it or photos not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I me can't see it. Me looking simple. Yeah. Are we Glad on? I grew out of that. We are recording. It's game yep. time. Guys, welcome to episode 37, JB Podcast. We didn't record last week. Apologies. It was a massive week and it got away from us, but we're here now. We're doing the thing and... Uh, I guess before we get into it, I was quick, sick. Grip Paul was sick. T was T was going on holidays. I was the only man holding down the fort, and I didn't know how to press record. <laughs> um, but a uh, quick shout out to our boy Tree at Panavore Cafe who provide us the coffee that we're drinking today. Thanks, homie. Thank um, you. Great egg sandwich down there. I always say it. But um, we're junglebrothers.com. If you want to get in touch with us, you can also find us on Instagram at Jungle Brothers Movement. We've got a bunch of cool shit going on if you want to talk about any of your training needs, get in touch. Uh, today, there's three of us. We've got myself, Paulie, and brother, Jared Thatcher. Yo. Welcome, homie. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Jared's a, uh, Jared's a staff member of the gym. Do you want to give us, do you want to tell us what you do here? Yep. Uh, so, my role here is doing uh, the soft tissue work. So, it's called active release technique. Um, basically, it's just a type of sports massage that I've specialized in. And, yeah, I treat the injuries and tight members and stuff like that and complement that with some exercise and whatever else. Are you the head of that department in the gym here? I'm the only one who does it, yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we haven't met, but I'm Jared. I'm Paul. Nice to meet you. Paul, Paul's one of the owners here. Is he? Yeah. Yep. Mm. Jared works downstairs. I heard you're doing good things down there on level <laughs> on the ground level. In the basement, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. In, the base, in the dungeon. Yeah. yeah, Jared's room that he's operating out of has received some upgrades in, in, in recent months. There was promise of air me. conditioning for a long time. The air conditioners were installed maybe after 12 months or something. You got them. We got there. We got there. There's yeah. no longer an icebox in the winter and a hot box in the summer, let's see. Look, yeah, it, it's coming together. It's nice. It's, it's more than I need, so... Um, it's not like a normal massage place where we got the nice candles and aromas and uh, locks on the doors and clean tables. We and exercise stuff like the that. demons out of there, though, for you. You exercise the demons out of the, that office. It's it's a peaceful place. It is. A few rugs on the wall. <laughs> yep, it'll be right. Um, how long have you been practicing ART for? Or like, when did you study and become qualified with this particular technique? Uh, seven years ago or so. Um, took a while to get trained in it fully. Mm. So I did that over the course of 18 months or two years and then started to specialise more in that instead of PT and strength training. And then... Ah, so there was some, a transition time where you, you were qualified and you were still PTing and you were seeing some people but yeah. you hadn't started doing that exclusively? Yeah, yeah. I was kind of consolidating my skills and getting better over time, so treating my own clients. Yeah. There's my reputation. Grew as someone who could do it. Uh, there was a transition where I'd start seeing more people. Yep. And really specialised in it after that and then took on a full-time role uh, for three years at a gym in Redfern. And I was head of treatment there and I've been at Jungle Brothers for a year now. So it's really specialised in what I do, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What was the what was the original idea? Because <clears throat> you were PTing before that, so strength coaching that kind of thing. Yep. What was the was there was there a 
was there a common goal that you were help you were looking to help people get out of pain or become fitter or move better that that ended up taking you to ART exclusively or I mean you obviously incorporate a bit of strength work in what you do now but did you find that that was a better tool for you to use to help people or was it just kind of interest like a yeah and skill set and maybe mm. you know I got treatment for a soft tissue injury that I had uh, that nobody else could fix. So it looked increasingly likely that I was going to have to get surgery. There was a lot of specialists who had no idea what was happening. Then I saw an active release technique therapist in the city called Mike Badke. And he's been like a mainstay in ART for a long time. He's probably the best known in Sydney. And he was able to fix it. It wasn't immediate, but after 10 treatments or so, I was back running, I was back lifting, doing what, everything what I was, wanted. Uh, mm. what, where was the pain? What was the general issue? It was just an <coughs> overuse injury of the hip, and I was getting some rubbing on a ligament um, right near the pelvis, and he said there was just a lot of irritation there. So it was just a matter of releasing all the surrounding structures and stuff like that. Um, and then when he explained it and I learned more about the technique, Conceptually, it made a lot of sense to me. Uh, it was very dense, the amount of stuff to learn, but the modality made sense to me as something that would work. And so I just decided to become a massage therapist and specialize in that immediately. I didn't know where it would go when I first did it, but uh, it just really interested me. So that's kind of just happened organically on the back of that, just decided to do it straight away. That became your thing. Yeah. How does it, um, <clears throat> for the people listening who might not know the difference, actually I don't know the difference between ART and let's say, um, uh, what are some of the other words, like trigger point therapy or myofascial release or even remedial massage or sports massage. Can you give, it, give us a bit of comparison there as, as to how it actually works? Yeah. I would say it's just a lot more in-depth and... Uh, active release technique takes a lot of motion while drawing tension on the structure. So that's where the active comes into active release technique. Um, and as far as the rest of it goes, it's just a lot more in depth. So any soft tissue structure that you can influence with touch, it tends to have a protocol for it. So it's there's over 500 protocols for the body that's even before doing a lot of the ones where you'd influ uh, influence two structures at once. Right. Um, yeah, it's just really in-depth. But uh, that includes nerve entrapments and um, a lot of the little finicky muscles. So. so it's not just kind of stab in the dark, let's just poke around in the, in the sore area, get you to move a little bit. There's, there's, a, there's a body of work behind it that you as a practitioner can reference. and Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you need your own assessment protocols. So uh, active release technique therapists will probably assess really differently because there's no standard for that. But they give you the bare bones on how to influence everything. So a lot of chiros have done active release technique and osteos, physios, massage therapists, and they incorporate it into what they do. So mine incorporated with a strength training background, I suppose. Yeah, okay. That brings me to my next question, which is, well, maybe not a question, but I guess a general gripe that I have with body work. Um, uh, over the years, I've seen a bunch of different specialists, physios, chiros, 
osteos, whatever, uh, ever since I... I mean, fuck, for as long as I can remember, right? Playing soccer as a kid, had a back thing, had a hip thing. You go see someone and... I, from what I remember growing up, there was you would go to a doctor or you could go to a physio or you could go to a <coughs> chiro. And that's it. That was kind of it, right? <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I didn't really have any experience with chiros, but they were the ones that, that all the other people always hung shit on. So I was like, oh, don't go to chiros, mate. Chiros will fucking take your money and that sort of <laughs> thing. And then you go to physios and they seem good, but you know, some of the physios I went to was real airy and I'm like, I don't actually know if anything's changing here. Anyway cut to now and and say for the last sort of 10 years being pretty serious with my training and with jiu-jitsu and stuff i've seen a lot and i and it's excel you know like i see i go to a physio or an osseo or something at least a few times a year because there's little niggles that need to be fixed and whatever yeah um and what what i've what i i still can't reconcile who is good and who is not it, for me it comes down to the individual um but i find that i can't i can't say that discipline's good that discipline's not yeah. Can you talk on that? Because there's so yeah. many, because it's such a big field and I'm guessing that, you know, you're operating within this, you're dealing with people who have also had a similar experience to me. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good observation. Um, it's very much down to the practitioner as opposed to the modality, in my opinion. So what you said about Cairo's mm-hmm. having a bad reputation, I think everyone's heard that to a degree. But then in the same breath, uh, a lot of Cairo's are the ones who I've learned the most things that I've applied to my business off. So a lot of the best practitioners for ART are chiropractors and they integrate that into what they do uh, or inter- integrate ART into what they do and their product's really complete whereas people who might have just graduated and chose not to do any critical thinking or look at other modalities or are very stuck in their ways, they might not be as good and might not be getting the same results and they're seeing people every five minutes and they're adjusting and going on to the next person. So I just think it's down to the practitioner, not the modality. Uh, can I ask a, like a, for a definition or to better understand what the different modalities are? Sure. For instance, like Cairo, I haven't seen probably as many as you have, Joe, which doesn't mean I... Haven't had as many Pussy. niggles along the way, <laughs> yeah. along the way. But I just, you know, I didn't see them for a long time. I just, I was the type of person who ignored a, a lot of it for a long time and kind of came into the consciousness of, of what was going on a lot later. Um, so I still find it very confusing. I, I don't know who to go to for a particular thing. Like, so I don't know. Lots of people know a lot less than me. That's like this is aching or this is tight. It's like okay, I usually come and ask. You, Joe, or I'll ask T or something like that and say, oh, well, who do you think I should see? So, Cairo's... You see Jared now. Now yeah. I see Jared, right. but I'm talking see Jared. prior to Jared. Prior to Jared. That's your safest bet. And failing that, we can go through what the others do. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What is the Cairo? What is their main... Their modality is concerned with what? And I think... Manipulations I through the spine and joints. Yeah. Which will influence nerves. Yeah, so that's how they'd be defined. And then a physio would be a lot more musculoskeletal. And then an osteo would be a bit of both. And then a massage therapist is fully soft tissue. Fully soft tissue. Yeah. Osteos a bit of both? Osteos will do adjustments and they'll influence muscles. They look at the body a little bit differently. So they'll look from bottom to top 
uh, in assessment. So they spend a lot of time at the feet and then they work their way up and generally other practitioners would work from the top down or go straight to the point and work back from the point that's causing the problem. So if someone came in with a back injury, they'd look there and then look at the hips and the knee next and then work yep, their way yep. back. You know. And what about you? I know, yeah, What what does where does ART concern themselves? Do you go to like the I point? Before, I think you go above and below, don't you? Yeah, I like the looking above and below and surrounding joints. I think you can find out a lot from looking at that. But again, like I said before, the assessment protocols that I use has <coughs> just been a collection of the best things that I found. You've also studied other stuff too, yeah? Yeah. 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 What else? You did FMS. I've S- done, I did FMS a long time ago. Functional uh, movement screen. Yep. Great cook. Great cook. I've done SFMA, which is the practitioner version of that. I really yep. like that. I use a lot of those techniques in my practice now. Um, yeah, yep. and then just all kinds of a lot of short courses yep. uh, related to assessment and lifting and yep. influencing what? structures and whatever. What are you studying now? You're I've studying gone it. back. You've gone back. I'm at yep. TAFE and I'm doing a diploma in massage, but that's as a means to an end to get a provider number. Yeah, yeah. So... For insurance, people can claim on their health insurance. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, people want it. Yeah, I think it, financially it's going to be a good thing to do. How long does that take? Uh, you're doing uh, part-time, full-time? Nothing happens quickly at TAFE. Yeah, <laughs> even the doors that are automatic open slower. So, it's going to take 18 months. Oh, Decent. okay, yeah. Yeah, so Decent. it's yeah. teaching me a lot of patience. Is that part-time, is, like... It's the only time. It's it's, it's just, just one, one speed. Yeah. It's tape time. <laughs> yeah, it's one speed. It's a very it's first gear. Uh, it's three days a week, but mm. I've get a lot of prior standing for a lot of the subjects. Yeah, uh, and then there's practical and clinic where you'll practice on people to come in, and people get cheap massages. So and you practice the techniques we're taught in class. Oh, cool. Yeah, which I will never use. So no, nah, I might. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. Uh, I want to jump into a um, an experience that I had where I realised. Uh, well, it was an unsatisfying experience with a practitioner, not yourself, Jared. Oof. Luckily, yeah, I'm not. Um, I'm not here for that. Yeah, it was with a. Uh, <laughs> and I and I'll preface this with. Uh, it's, it was with a chiropractor, but I'll preface this with I've. I I have a, a one particular friend or a couple who are chiropractors who are exceptional at what they do and I really respect their work and their approach to the whole thing. But this other chiropractor, um, he actually came through the gym. He, was, he started training with us. It was, a, it was a long time ago. He was a friend of a friend. She had said to me, he's a really good chiro. I've been going to him for years. You know, He fixes me whenever I'm, whenever I'm messed up and she had this ongoing issue always with her back and I was like, fuck, you know, he must be pretty good, whatever. Anyway... Um, and I get occasionally I get a bit of a back thing um, if it just maybe once a year, twice a year from jiu-jitsu, I just get like a my lower back just gets a bit tight and uncomfortable and I go in and it gets sorted out. Um, the I went to see this fella and the first time I went to see him, he's like, oh, you know, what what happened? And I explained to him what happened and he was he was working with footy teams or something. So he had an understanding of 
you know, this body to like sort of body to body contact yeah. and kind of a wrestling type situation. And he did some manipulations and they were fine. And, and it, the problem kind of resolved after maybe two sessions and, and it was good. Anyway, six months later, I, I had something else happen and it was just another niggling thing. I'm like, oh, I'll go see fella and get it, get it fixed up. And I went in and said, hey, man, you know, i got a thing going on on my back. And he was like, yep, yep, no worries at all, man. Okay, cool, come in. Uh, all right, yep, hop on the table. And he just started going to work. He just started doing the same thing that he did to me the other time. Yeah. And he ran me through like three or four basic manipulations. Um, and he didn't ask me what the problem was. And he didn't, he didn't really... I could tell it was the, he just applied the same template that he applied the first time with me. Only the first time, we had a little chat about it first. So it seemed like this is a custom treatment based on the information you've given me. And I, I was like, it, this kind of light bulb went off in my head and I'm like, motherfucker, dude, <laughs> just put me through like the, the standard template, you know? And it took him like fucking seven minutes and, you know, whatever. And then, and then he was out of there. And uh, it didn't resolve the problem. And I think I, I was like, I'll give it another go. I went back maybe one or two times. Sort of wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt and nothing had changed. It was the same shit. And I was like, yeah, okay, it's, it, that was... He's not a good practitioner. That was not a good experience. Um, anyway, it kind of jaded me, right? And I was just like, fuck. That was... And I've got a couple. I'm going to go into them later. But that was one of those ones where I'm like, I feel like this dude's a shoddy practitioner. Talk to me about this, this, asp this idea of... And we have it within PT. But practitioners out there who are doing a shit job. Yeah, uh, well, what you just said, I think we can all fall into that to some degree, um, which is falling back into what you know and what you think solves everything. And I think PTs do it. They, if they're not conscious, they're going to do the same program with everyone. Um, I think it's really just a case of that. He's not thinking. He's not trying. And he's just falling back into what's easiest for him, what he knows, and it might solve the problems of 50% of the people that come in, but the rest mm -hmm. are going to be really disgruntled by it. Uh, but like I said before, it's totally down to the practitioner. Yeah. So you need someone who's willing to assess and think about it critically, put the time into it, and you're going to get a decent result if they know what they're doing. Yep. Whereas if they're just doing a cookie-cutter treatment for everyone then of course people are going to get disgruntled but yeah it makes sense i um <clears throat> yeah i guess it's a good point you probably the way you put it makes it it's not quite as uh it makes him out not to be such a bad you know it is a bit of it's a default lazy. thing yeah it is a bit of a laziness thing and perhaps it happens when we get a bit busy but um i don't know i find the i find the manipulations thing if they're if they're not necessary i i don't want to do them like i don't want someone to crack my neck and, and yeah. crack my back if it's not if they don't believe it to be really essential to fixing the problem at hand you know it feels like the kind of thing like you don't want to do too much of it <clears throat> yeah it's daunting especially if you're going in there to get your neck cracked might not be for the chiropractor because they do it 20 times a day but this is your first manipulation in two years you'd appreciate some assessment before he goes in and whacks your neck. So, yeah, I think that just comes back to taking a bit more time and assessing properly and not falling back into what they know and maybe uh, 
the gripe that some people have with chiropractors is they just churn and burn through people. Yeah. So they fit in six people in an hour. Yeah. Couple of manipulations, see you next week, which I think is evolving. So you see a lot of great chiros out there and they're some of the best people at fixing yes. problems. But that old school mentality is starting to become very dated and people are too savvy for that now. Yeah, right. The market is becoming more educated yeah. about it. Yeah, exactly. People see on Instagram and social media different modalities fixing people. Yeah. And it's very accessible to go find a different practitioner. So it's a competitive market. Yes, okay. There's more options for sure. Yeah. It's good for broken people. It's good for broken people. Mm. It's a good time mm. to be it's broken. It's a good time to be broken. A lot of broken humans out there. Yeah, and there's never been a better time mm. to be broken. Do you think in your <laughs> with what you do, because you, you don't do manipulations, right? You just do soft tissue work. Do you think, like, would you, if you could, would you like to have the ability to do some manipulations? Would you see that as a as, an, as a, a good compliment to what you do? Or do you believe that, that sort of most things can be resolved through working the soft tissues? That's a good question. Uh, I think there's always a place for manipulations for some people. So often people that need that I'll refer out. When I feel it's outside of what I can do, then I'll refer them on to a good Cairo who I think will figure it out or a good osteo or whatever seems to fit or if they need to go see a sports doctor or get a scan it's just really dependent on uh what i see but i'm i'm very specialized so it's soft tissue or nothing bro can you tell me what is a manipulation yeah it's what, just what an adjustment of a joint so it yeah what what happens mechanically there when yeah. i know that that's not your feel but i i, I haven't I had I saw an osteo once, um, and yeah, it was an adjustment. But I haven't really had much experience with Paul it. Paul used to be five foot tall. <laughs> One session. Look at him now. Oh wow! Correct. Yeah, he sounds good. Never um, needed to go back. Yeah, like when they when they're adjusting it, they're saying it's aligning it. Okay. So function's broken down because of misalignment in the joint. Yep. So them moving it yep. and placing it back where they want. Example or, or of cracking. Like in, a, in a joint? Can you like an example? Like, like, a, like if you did it typical in one. the SI joint or the lower back, yep. sometimes that can lock up. Can lock up mm. and it's really common. Mm. And this is why a lot of people swear by their uh, chiros is because they'll feel jacked up through their SI joint. They'll go see them, crack, places it straight back into place and it won't bother them again for three or four weeks and they go like, great, I can live with that. Let's yep. just do that. And, and so... Then, and then it slips back in. Yep, yeah, well, it, out of place. Yeah, if there's yep. a dysfunction or structurally they're just a little yep. bit out and it pulls out over the course yep. of those three or four weeks, then it needs to get adjusted again. So I'm trying to get an understanding, like with the different practitioners out there, the different disciplines, which one of them as part of their practice are the ones that prescribe something towards fixing the cause. Uh, I think mm. it's physios, but I guess because you, you've said to me like um, you can study ART and you've got practitioners there who have multiple licenses and have studied a few different things and they make their own practice and their own processes. Um, but if we were just to boil it down to the, the individual disciplines, which one of them in cases, all right, fix their immediate problem 
and then, you know, we assess and we look to try and give them some exercises to address the cause. Because I know you do stuff like that um, where necessary because you've got the PT background. Um, and I know I've had experience with physios, but, you know, they never give you that. Like they've got a... They, they give never you the same give you fucking exercises. heavy bench press. No, they don't give you <laughs> yeah. benches. You know. I mean, but that and fixes that, everything. They're just yeah, missing right. something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you, know, do you know what I'm saying? Do you, is it physios that do that only as part of the, 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 the practice of studying physiotherapy? No. Or is, I think is it optional for them as well? I think everyone's trying to get to the root cause. So even though people will go straight after where the person's in pain. I think most practitioners will try to influence that to some degree, depending on how acute it is. But I guess I mean uh, ongoing. So like, uh, say for instance, I'd go in, uh, something's really tight, I get it massaged. That particular therapist won't necessarily say, I think it was caused, can I assess how you're walking? I think it's caused by this, you need to strengthen up the glute or whatever. We don't get that part. That's what I'm kind of asking like, which you get a little bit from a physio, but not a great deal. Am I right? I and think no, no follow-up. I think uh, any practitioner uh, worth their weight will mm. have a treatment plan and have an idea of what's causing it. And the goal is to undo it. And that could be chiro, osteo, physio, massage therapist or whatever, PT. Mm. Um, but anyone who's really good and can see that problem being resolved will try to resolve it i don't think it's a modality thing that's super interesting because yeah i would say in my experience it's only ever been physios that i've been to who have been like oh hey like that's the treatment Maybe. part now let's talk, I talk about what i want you to do the exercise i yep. want you to do yep. outside of here uh, but yeah like thinking back to like you know the and again i say you know when i've been to those practitioners that i kind of don't rate then they haven't taught you shit. They've never said, hey, I want you to do this. They just tell you when to come back. Yeah, I, I do think it's practitioner dependent, not modality. It is. Okay. You, you know yeah. what I find really, yeah. really weird in those situations? Um, and I had this with, with, a, with a good Cairo, actually. He was, um, he was recommended to me uh, by a friend and he was, he, was, he was good. He asked a lot of good questions. He was, he was genuinely trying to help me, but he couldn't fix the problem that I had at the time. Um, that's a bigger story, which I'm going to lay on you later. But Can't um, wait. oh, it's a big one, guys. <laughs> fucking hold your breath. Um, but um, he, he, and this this might sound. I don't. Know, I hope this doesn't sound wanky or something. But too late. He's working with bodies and he's trying to restore movement and health. And I go to his clinic, and his clinic was in a little office building in uh, in a pokey little office space. And I remember I spent a lot of time in there because I'd see this guy once a week for like a few months. And um, he had horrible artificial fluorescent lighting in there. And he's, he's a big, tall guy. I think he used to play rugby. But he's wearing like a business shirt and it's tucked into business trousers and a belt. And he's got these pointy black shoes on. And he's in this cramped little office. And he's, he's living like, like he's living so far out of alignment with, with the natural environment and what his body... And obviously... He can't practice in the park, right? He can't practice in the bush. He's got to have, you got to have a controlled environment. You got to have a roof over your head, whatever. But he wasn't even wearing clothes where he could show me an exercise. You know what I mean? Like, and 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 I'm guessing the choice of clothing was because he works in the city. Yeah, and and it's portraying professionalism because I wear a button-up shirt. 
But it's like, man, you've got a button-up shirt. It's tucked in. You can't put your arms over your head in a shirt like that. You can't fucking show me a uh, correct push-up technique or a squat pattern or whatever, right? So I'm like, like on one side, I really liked what he was doing. But on the other side, I'm like, this whole environment that I'm in right now, getting um, advice from this expert, just seems alien. It's making my joints ache. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is not, you know, and he, I could tell he was tired and it was, it was not a fun place for him to be in fucking working for 12 okay. hours a day. So I was just like, have we, have we isolated, have we specialized so much that we've isolated these disciplines and they now live in these kind of little isolated environments away from what people are really doing? Um, I had a real problem with that. And it, then, it, then that made it harder for me to believe in what he was telling me. Again, I think it's really difficult. He can't have a whole gym for him to operate out of. Like, he, yeah. he, if he only needs a table in a room and it's only got to be, you know, four metres by four metres, he can keep his overheads low and do his work. Yeah, It's difficult to show exercises and stuff, but I think the best places tend to be those integrative practices where you can go off the table and go do some exercise. But that's not to say he's not going to be really good and that he can't fix the problem at hand if he's really skilled. So uh, I just think that that's just what he's dealt. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, not his fault. I'm not blaming the guy. I was just like, this is kind (laughs) of fucked. Nerd wearing a button-up shirt and stupid shoes. Yeah, you know. And to a degree, he's trying to meet his clients. Where they are at culturally. Yeah, they don't want to see a dude in a t-shirt and tracky pants, right? Yeah. No shoes, right? You're living the life. <laughs> Movement guy. Yeah. 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 Like, Ponytail. Wow, cut your fucking toenails. <laughs> too real. Yeah. The, the other thing though, and this was a complaint that I, this is a, a general complaint that I, that I have about specialists and, and I try to pass this on to uh, my clients and the members of our gym all the time. Um, and I, fuck, I preach it all the time and I think this is a really big takeaway. But he would, he'd ask me, I had a problem with my wrists at the time. And he's like, oh, what was do you... Was it an overuse injury? <laughs> Just on one? <laughs> Dick. Um, it was, uh, it was a... Uh, where the fuck was I? I had this wrist problem, right? And the boys just bumped fists. (laughs) Losers. I had this overuse injury and he was... I didn't even have an overuse injury. (laughs) You just fucking made me say that. (laughs) (laughs) I had a problem, right? Snip that shit out. Can't get wanking Um, off the mind now, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and he said to me, oh, well, what are you doing? Like, what what does your training look like? And I said, oh, look, I train jiu-jitsu a couple of days a week. Um, and I, I do like, uh, I do like, the, I'm into this movement thing. So I'm doing a bit of hand balancing and I'm crawling around on the ground and I'm lifting some weights. And he was like, oh, okay, um, what's, what's jujitsu entail? And I was like, all right, well, I'm kind of trying to describe jujitsu to the guy. And he's like, oh, that sounds pretty full on, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I guess it is. Um, and then he's like, and what about like the hand balancing and stuff? And so I showed him, I'm like, oh, well, this is, we do this for wrist prep and this is a handstand. And he's like, Mate, that's fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> you can't be doing that on your wrists. And um, and it's the first time he's ever seen someone do whatever. You know, some of the some of the exercises that we do here as part of our warm up with every fucking member in the gym, palm push ups or fin push ups or something to prepare the wrist. And I'm like, all right, so you are you're so far disconnected from what it is that I do, and I don't expect you to know everything. But how can you treat me if you already think that? 
what I'm doing is kind of off the scale of what's possible. And I found that, that the big takeaway there is go and see someone who fucking knows what it is that you're doing with your body. Someone that knows what your training looks like and what it actually entails. Fully. I think your um, beliefs on how the body works needs to align in some degree and you need to believe in the treatment. It, it'd be the same <laughs> if he did something and you're like, the fuck's he doing? What's the point of that? Um, and he's thinking that about your training, it will just never work. It, you need to be believing in the treatment you're getting. Um, otherwise, it's just not going to work. And there's heaps of data to support that. So, how, how does someone placebo? How does someone go about really? establishing that when they get a treatment? Then, when they go see someone, you know, say we've got someone who's who's listening. Who uh, let's take <coughs> like one of our members, Haley, who plays, who does um, lira, like circus lira. So most people wouldn't even know what a lira is, right? So it's like she hangs up this hoop and does, you know, awesome acrobatic stuff. Mm. So she has a shoulder problem and she goes to see someone. How does she establish in that initial conversation yeah. what it is that she does and can you work mm. with this? I've treated Haley and I still don't know what lira is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Who's lira? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it must come down to practitioner to practitioner and that's all in the consult and then, you know, being able to get along and try to understand and be empathetic to other people, other things they do. Because I could never have known what a hand, you know, handstand was. And I believe I'd be able to try and... It sounds like he was, like, amazed, so much amazed by it and shocked. But I, I'd, you know, you'd be able to kind of, like... I mean, I've got be a little skills, right? More prof yeah, for sure. He's yeah. jumped up into a little handstand. Yeah, one arm, whatever but you want. But, you know, you, 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 you listen to their story and you, you spend the first time... First period listening and just asking more questions like we do here. Probing. Probing, probing. Mm. But that's, I mean, and, and I guess I guess the, the tricky part is that there's, that if a practitioner, you know, when you step into that relationship, so I step mm. into your office and you're the expert and I'm the, I'm the client and fuck, I got 30 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever it is and the practitioner is dictating the pace of what we're doing mm. and the practitioner doesn't ask, then the person often doesn't have the confidence to say, oh, hey, man, just before you start like laying your hands on me and shit, can we just talk about what do you actually know about what it is the fuck that I do? <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? I find that's kind of awkward. And I found myself in that situation with all sorts of specialists, ear, nose and throat specialists and, you know, fucking big bicep specialists and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, you go to see them and it's like it, there's no time for that and they're not – like they don't yeah, make it yeah. and yeah. so you don't have it and you walk out and you're like, oh, that was fucked. It's tough with the time though as well. I, f I have that uh, uh, with GPs a lot. GPs who turn people over a lot um, in, you know, public practices. They're fucked. Some of them. So, I shouldn't say you that. You know, Some and they're, they're dealing with a lot of people and a lot of people tend to go to GPs for a like a common group of issues. A lot of colds, you know, yeah. a lot of flus. And they're getting to that rhythm and they've got heaps of people waiting out the front and whatever. Maybe they're underpaid and underappreciated there. So they just, you know, they, they never really stop to ask you intimately, like, what's the background to how this has happened? I think it's really difficult it's for hard. GPs. Yeah, they're super hard. Because they're just under the pump? They're under the pump, but yeah. they've got to be across everything to a degree. It's true. But ultimately, if you've got a very specific problem, all you want from the GPs, 
hopefully to be able to point you in the right direction so something to more the specialist. Specific. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, they get chastised a lot for not knowing enough about health and nutrition and exercise. But I mean, they know a lot of stuff that's a lot more pressing at that time yep. that could probably save lives. So it'd be good if they were more up on those things, but it's not paramount. Like people can get that information from everywhere else. So yep. I think they, their job is really hard and do better. They got to do better, do better, do better, be better. But so, I mean, you've got to, I think people need to manage their expectations with what a GP does. Yep. People go into a GP asking for medicine most of the time yeah so if you get someone who's really into health who doesn't want medicine yeah it throws them off like this is just a small bubble we <clears> live <throat> in yeah is exercise and training and holistic approach to things but most people who go in there are chronically sick and just want the medication so um i think so they the, get a little bit uh disillusioned so the onus then really is on the, the the individual going to that doctor or to that specialist i think so the, the onus is to to set your expectations but also make sure you kind of get across what it is that you need fully. or get across what it is that your expectations are fully yeah i yeah. just think um you know people get upset when they're given medicine straight away for some things that maybe you could manage yourself yeah mm. But they're just trying to solve that problem as quick as possible. And that's usually what most people want. So mm. they're just trying to work for the bit. masses. Yeah, you know, so a lot sense. of the time to lower blood pressure, it might be better to exercise and eat better. But most of the people who have high blood pressure going in there don't want to do that. Yeah, then the reality of them actually doing that is quite slim. Yeah. Can I ask another question? Enough with the fucking questions. Sorry, man. I yep. just need to understand what this you field. Got. What is an exercise physiologist and how long have they been around for? Man, who knows? Right. No, uh, They're coming out of the woodwork. I, yeah. EPs. Yeah. Well, well, it's I really kind of a honestly, personal trainer from university training, I would say, but they work yes. with a lot more specific and more difficult problems. So they, they have a much yeah. deeper understanding of the body. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I figured they are. They'll work with a lot of like I said, very specific things. So people who have been in accidents, people who have had strokes, um, yep. injuries, hip replacements, knees, stuff like that. That's kind of like when their exercise, uh, when their rehab's going to go more so to exercise than treatment, yes. then a physio might pass the person on to an exercise physiologist. Yes. That m- that's the best way I can sum it up, I guess. They seem, they seem to operate out of a kind of that hybrid sort of gym slash practitioner space, don't they? Yeah. Where they're, where they're more focused on the, on the, the um, form, like doing a, a lot of the training, but it's very specific and, and yeah. customised. It's very rehab-based. Yeah. Um, yeah. Transition uh, point. You guys have never seen one? No. Not before, no, no, but, but I know a lot. Yeah, okay. And um, do they tend to have their own practices or, or do they work out? I'm wondering because they seem like um, like the physio that I never saw, like a physio, like a really great physio who's, who kind of bridges the gap that I thought I needed filling in the past when I've gone to see one with more follow-up and more of a program and some exercises that aren't kindergarten level. What was your question? Um, yeah, what was my question? Uh, where, yeah, where do they operate out of? Where can I... Like, can oh. I 
Are they accessible? Like if I hurt my ankle, yeah, can I go see pages, an EP? Bro. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fucking. You could Google it. I could Google it for sure. Yeah. But they work a lot out of those hybrid spaces where looks you'd have like a chiro, like physio, a little gym. Yeah. yeah, and they got a little gym. Yeah. So there's usually one or two in there. A lot of them have done the exercise physiology thing. Yes. And are working at a box gym and just doing PT, but they use that as maybe a selling point because yeah, they yeah, find. Yeah. A lot of EPs have found that they'll just make more money and it's a little bit less monotonous to just work as a PT as opposed to an EP where you get a lot of hard cases and things happen a lot slower. Interesting. Yeah, it's, um, it's a, I like it. I think, I mean, I've not been to one, but I think if they're, if they're kind of, you know, they, they're usually in the training realm themselves. They're lifting. They're, from yeah. what I, I know, a couple and they're, you know, and I could be generalizing just based off that small cross-section, but they're, they're training a lot. They're very physical and they're treating people. And I, I, I'm immediately drawn towards a practitioner that trains. Yeah. Because I'm like, okay, you, you get it. You train a lot. You push your body. You're not just someone that sits in an office and sees, you know, other people coming through. I think it helps. It's, but it's not the be all and end all. But Still yeah, I mean, you want to coach. Mm. If you were a weightlifter, you'd want to coach who'd weightlifted before. Or yeah, but if, but even for yourself, like I think, like I don't like I, I, you know you're not working on handstands, right? But you you're training, you're doing strength work, you're doing mobility work. You're here in the gym, so I'm like, cool. He gets it. You yeah, know, it's not exactly the same as maybe what I'm doing, but it's close enough. Yeah, you're yeah. living that life. Yeah, you know? I distinctly remember a, very, a video <laughs> earlier on this year of him doing his handstand work. Joe, do you remember with funny Jared? Yeah, I thought it was a planche the way his handstand <laughs> was. <laughs> it was bad. Whatever it was, it was a crow pose. <laughs> it was <laughs> gross. <laughs> it certainly wasn't a handstand. I promise you that. <laughs> um, man, I wanted to. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit on the science piece. There's a, a piece of anatomy, fascia, that gets spoken about a lot. People talk yeah. about it. It's a bit of a buzz thing. <clears throat> Mobility, fascia, myofascial release, yep. plantar fasciitis. Bye, Sov. Um, Bye. Can you can you simplify what is it and, and how does it work? And you know, because people are fucking covered in the shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fascia. A good way to think about it is just like a sheath that goes around all your muscles and around the whole body. That's interconnected. And the fascial lines and stuff like that that you're talking about. Uh, just muscle lines in the body. So this is where these roads of fascia will go up and around. So I might start at one ankle, wrap all the way around to the opposite shoulder or be from your heels to the back of your eyelids, stuff like that. And, you know, there's arguments that that fascia affects everything and then some people are very dismissive and says it's not that important. But it's definitely somewhere in the middle at the moment. Uh, it's still a big grey area into how important it is. But, uh, yeah, that's that's basically what fascia is. Yeah, okay. And so, um, the I guess, so it's a, it's a type of soft tissue. And then alongside that you have muscle, tendons and ligaments. Yeah. Uh, muscles, tendons and ligaments, or muscles contract. They have contractile properties. Tendons and ligaments... Same, but fascia, no. Like, is fascia just a dormant kind of... Is it like a piece of glad wrap? Or does it have... Contractile prop- yeah. properties? No, it won't contract, but it'll shorten and lengthen depending on, like, 
the positions you put it in. Right. So if you were in a bad posture all day, the argument is that that fascia will get shorter and be more stuck in that position and then that influences the muscles. Yes, okay. Right, so it's harder to pull out that fascia and get it into a good position because it's bent over and uh, curled forward, I guess. If yeah, it, okay. Fascia is the stuff that it can get thicker. Can it, can it get thicker? Um, is it not like uh, you can get build-ups in it? Is that what I've seen, like um, frozen shoulder before? They have a cadaver there and you see like it's just kind of like locked in position. It's grown around a stabilised area. Is that what I'm looking at? When I've I seen think that, that would be a lot more muscular. Okay. But just say something did freeze around there, the fascia yeah. in turn would get a lot shorter as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, But it's hard to say to what degree yeah. it influences things it definitely does something um but i don't have a strong opinion on it either either way yeah yeah so so with art you're not focusing necessarily on fascia are are you not specifically but you'll find like if somebody ripped their hamstring um there's no doubt that the muscles above and below they're gonna have a fair few adhesions and whether that's from the fascia what are adhesions Uh, adhesion is so if you rip a muscle if the fibers run parallel to each other so just think of muscle fibers as lines that run parallel so if i'm looking at my if i hold my arm out i look at my bicep and i think like from my elbow to my my shoulder so it's running the fibers are running up my up and down my arm that's a good way to think of it yep yep so if you rip it just say you got a tear just a minor one what happens is to heal that the mechanism the body does is repairs it as quick as possible, which is good. It means you can go back and do things. But the bad thing is it doesn't really take a lot of care to do it. So instead of running in those lines like the muscles were before, it heals as quick as possible and it goes across, right? So it patches it from all angles and in turn it makes a knot or an adhesion. And that adhesion is going to be a lot tighter. It's going to make it harder for the muscle to lengthen and contract and it's going to be weaker so that's a guarantee it's gonna be weaker and you're probably gonna and you're gonna have less range of motion there you have less range and right. you, you can usually feel it if it was a decent tear like you're you know it's if like you've torn your bicep before and you haven't got much work on it when you straighten your arm you know where you tore it yeah so just stop straightening your arm from then on joe that just sit that's around the, the way forward just, hey? just, start, just curls and that's i feel it. you i feel you it's what i've got now so <laughs> yeah uh, that, that's how I view it, but I think most people would. And that's what I influence a lot with soft tissue work, I guess. So with soft tissue work and training, you can get those muscle fibers, I guess, running the right way. So you get that adhesion out. Right. And then that tissue can become strong again. But if you left it, it'll never be as strong. Yeah, okay. All other things being equal. And then obviously that's going to influence what's happening downstream from it it's going to affect your shoulder function or maybe your your wrist function like there'll be ramifications in the future you would think so yeah 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 okay that makes sense do you tear typically you tear in a muscle does fascia get torn no well i don't know it's a good question i've never really seen it no people can kind of visualize fascia if you think about uh and correct me if i'm wrong here but if you're eating like a chicken drumstick for sake of example 
Uh, it's got those nice little segments yeah. that you can pull apart. And it's all muscle, but those different segments are covered in fascia. Is yeah. that right? That's what separates them? Yeah. 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 That's a good way to sum it up. So it's just like a sheath. Yeah, right. That goes over everything. Yeah, okay. Muscles, um, tendons, ligaments, and, and not bone. It goes over bone too. It goes over all of it. Well, yeah, it's just over everything. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Holds it together. Yeah. Can I ask you about a completely different topic? Yeah. Poker. Yes. Yeah. Poker. Mm-hmm. You're a keen poker player, are you not? I am. How's that going for you? Because I th- gather you're pretty into it. You do comps and stuff like that. Yep. So I've uh, played poker pretty competitively for two and a half years or so. Uh, it's going well. It's pretty volatile. So the type that I play is tournament poker. So if you buy in for, say, $100, yep. uh, there's a 90% chance or 85% chance that you win nothing. But if you're in that top 15%, you can double your money or 10 times your money and so on. So you can see how that could be really volatile. You could play 10 tournaments and lose pretty pretty substantially most of the time. I'll go straight to my main question. Yeah. Are you up? I'm up, yes. My man. Yeah. He's up. Yeah. Okay, so I've good. had a bit of good luck in... The last two and a half years? Not or luck, re- or recently? Not luck, mate. It's not no, luck. it was. Not numbers, it was. It? Yeah, it's numbers. Yeah. You're counting. Nah, I mean, there's so much <laughs> variance and uh, luck that does go into it. And there's definite skill component, but it helps to be lucky at the right times. Right on. Yeah. How'd cool. you find yourself in that? I had a client who played online. I thought that was pretty cool because I'd seen it on TV and he was in Sydney for a World Series of Poker circuit game, which I knew nothing about. And he went and he was talking about that and he was playing like pretty high stakes. He's very good. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. So we ended up hitting it off. And so I fixed his back and he was a keen power lifter and I was doing his programming and stuff. And I started (laughs) playing and I sucked. I was just losing. I was getting a bit frustrated. I go to him, can you show me how to play? he's like, oh, usually charge like 100 USD an hour. But look, you fix my back. If you want to do an exchange, I'll just teach you how to play poker and you can keep doing my powerlifting program and help me manage my back. So we did that and we had some immediate success and that arrangement still stands today, so... He's oh, a cool. really good power lifter. He lives in another country, but I still do his programming and know enough about his back and his mechanics that can make it work. And then if I have poker questions, I still ask him. So That's cool. Yeah. Have you ever versed him in a poker game? Yeah. Yeah. So we came first and second in quite a big tournament once with 500 people. Fuck. And so he invited me last minute. I was like, oh, you know, I got some tax things coming up rather not do it he's like i'll oh, just come don't be a pussy like, right that's <laughs> <laughs> all it takes yeah. just call me a pussy i'll end up doing what you ask and so i went and we no, ended t- up coming one and two in it so that's pretty sweet that's cool head to head well yeah we're done a deal at that point yeah but oh yeah 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 Play yeah anyway oh there's still money on the line okay yeah, yeah. but yeah 
that was pretty cool. Yeah. What do you can I like? I don't know that much about poker. I've played a few poker nights and never kind of caught the bug. My, I remember my friends all kind of getting into it and going to poker nights. Texas Hold'em was a Texas real Hold'em thing for a while, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's the version I play. Early two okay. thousands, I suppose. And um, yeah, that was the golden era, apparently. Okay, early two thousand. Yeah, I went to like a couple of nights around Glebe at different pubs and stuff like that. Um, but I don't really know that much about it. But I do, I see it's really funny, like, I occasionally see it on TV, like, and people, you got all sorts of characters. Do you, what's your character when you're there? Do you take on a person? Do you have, like, glasses on? Do you have a little troll doll? What do you think it would be? Could you see I'd probably me? deadpan dry, just yeah. great poker face. Yeah, that, I mean, that few probably words. sums it up. Oh, I, I chat. Do you wear a hat or anything like that? Feathering? No. I tend not to cover my face or... It's a big part of it, isn't it? For a lot of people, but I've got the idea that not that many people are good at live reads. Some are really good and you want to be quite cautious that they'll pick up information, but most of the people who are staring at you, it's like, you don't know what you're looking for. Yeah, right. So, I, yeah, I just sit there. I ask because I really like that of, part of it. You probably take a bit <laughs> of pleasure in that too. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they just get it really wrong. <laughs> they think they have a read on you, and they go with it, and they're really wrong. Do you really like wrong. smile at them and shit? Is it that kind of thing, or do you tend not to acknowledge the Set other people? Traps. It's very discretionary. So if I think they they're good, I just won't give them any help. Right. So I just make them figure it out. If I think they could make a mistake, I might. If they try to goad me into talking, I'll talk with them. <laughs> oh, conversation. Yeah, if they want to talk, and I think. Um, well, then it just turns into a metagame. So if I can outwit you, you're thinking you're picking up information while I'm giving <laughs> you fake information. See, this is the interesting part of poker for me. And this is happening, this is happening face-to-face or this is happening online? Uh, this is face-to-face. I play yep. face-to-face. Yeah, right. Yeah. So. Fascinating pastime. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? It is. I didn't know too much about it till I met him, but I got really into it. D- and does... Well, you obviously talk about it with your your coach, your friend, yes. who, who taught you, do you spend a lot of time training that aspect of the game or is that more just like you train the numbers and the cards and the pos- the probabilities and stuff and then that's just kind of non-informal talk? Yeah, there's no way of training that, I suppose. Um, I feel like you're training it all the time. What, being dry and deadpan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just what he is. <laughs> just what I'm doing. Yeah, that's just my persona. It's just that's his head. I am. You're good at it. Thank you. I think that you, I'd hate to play poker against you. Hey, I wanted to, um, I wanted to cut back to the bodywork thing, and yep. I wanted to tell you my story and Go see, for see it. what <laughs> you yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that there's a there's a cautionary tale here for for people listening. Um, so I had this I had this carpal tunnel issue, my wrists. I had this numbness in my hands, and uh, numbness, pins and needles both hands it would be intermittent like I'd get it throughout the day particularly if I wasn't moving much or my hand was elevated almost like blood was was running out of it but I would get it the worst when I was sleeping and so it would wake me up every night Uh, it went on for about two years two and a half years and it would wake me up every night at about three in the morning and I'd wake up and my fucking hand would be like on fire it would be so numb that it was it was hot and I have to get out of bed and like go move around a little bit, shake my hands, and then it would kind of settle. Mm. And this would happen all the time, and I just got used to it. And then I was like, i got to fucking do something about this. And at the same time, I had been 
it, it coincided with me starting to work on handstands and uh, the whole movement thing, right? So I had never really gone into that and then I was into it. And then, you know, probably Fine. about 10 to 12 months in, it was like this, this, these symptoms, right? Mm. So I saw um, a couple of friends of mine who were in the movement community who are total legends. One's a physio, one's a chiro. I caught up with them and they were like, oh, you know, you should check, you should check out your neck because, uh, I, I, you know, they're like, you're a jiu-jitsu guy, you've probably got some neck issues. That could be referring some nerve pain down to the hands. So I did some work with them, checking out my neck. We did some massage, some manipulation, some acupuncture. Um, nothing really resolved, but I continued with that. Then I went and saw a... Um, they referred me to this other Cairo, who was the one I mentioned before, the guy in the office with the shoes and the shirt um, and the pants. I went and saw that guy, and he was doing like a lot of like Graston treatment, yep. which was like scraping a metal implement, you know, on various sort of tissues around the wrist and the neck and the forearm. Um, I had, a, I had an MRI done on my upper spine and it showed that there was a little bit of, a couple of little disc issues, nothing major, but a bit of bulging and impingement. So was having work done on all those areas and like 12 months, 18 months into having regular treatment, nothing had changed, right? Mm, I remember that time. You remember it, right? You were pretty down. You it, was, it was fucking with me. And once I started to realize, man, this, is, this has been ruining my sleep for a long time. I was like, this is really not good. Like I can't, I can't put up with this. So I went, we kind of exhausted all the avenues with that current Cairo and he said, mate, I reckon you should go and see, um, I reckon you should go and get a nerve conduction study done. So I booked in with a neurologist. He did a nerve conduction study, which to explain to people is where they, they test the speed at which a signal can pass from one point to another along a nerve. So they put like a little sensor on one side of your wrist and then the other one on the other side, so one on your hand, one on your forearm. And it showed that the signal was getting through very slowly. So he's like, there's a, a blockage at the carpal tunnel. So yes, you have carpal tunnel syndrome. I was like, all right. So that then meant it wasn't a neck-related thing. You know, it was like there's a, there's a blockage at the carpal tunnel and that's why I'm getting this pain. So I've got to fix the thing. Um, in amongst all this, I'd seen other friends of mine, like, you know, I have friends in the health field. So I'd chat to them about it and they go, oh, let me take a look at it. And I'd get some some dry needling done or some massage or whatever. <clears throat> and I literally had people massaging forearms, needling, like I kind of tried a bit of everything. Booked in with a surgeon because I'm like, well, the conduction study is pretty uh, definitive. Uh, the Cairo's like, mate, we've done everything we can, including like trying to change the pillow I slept on and all those sorts of things. Um, he said, I think you should have the surgery done. So I went and saw a surgeon and the surgeon said, yep, we can do the surgery, we're gonna cut the tendon, it's gonna release pressure, blah, blah, blah. Booked in to have the surgery, had the surgery booked for like eight weeks from that date. Was back training jujitsu a couple of weeks later, told this to my training partners at the time, and there was a fella that they had been seeing in the city, or also operating out of a little office space, uh, a guy by the name of Michael Neal, and he was referred to as the wizard. And they said, you should go and see the wizard. And I was like, man, I've fucking seen everyone. Like, I've spent so much money on this thing. I've already seen, like, all the people that I respect and a bunch more. And they said, yeah, 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 but just go and see him. And I was like, all right, I'll go see the guy. So I booked in with the guy, went into his office. He was wearing the same thing. Wizard hat. Yeah, wizard <laughs> hat, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, streamers and shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was, like, tiny little office. He had, a, he had the shirt, he had the trousers, shoes, and he's like, 
hey man, what's, what's the problem? And I said, um, I've got carpal tunnel syndrome, blah, blah, blah. Here's my quick story. Here's the MRI, blah, blah, blah. And he said, cool. And he just nodded and smiled and he said, we can fix that. He said, it's going to take about 15 minutes and it's going to be painful. And I was like, all right, dude, let's see what you can do. Put a spell on it. Whatever. <laughs> the guy sat me down, went to work. Uh, he just checked my back real quick. He laid me down, checked my upper back, checked my neck. He's like, yep, there's a bit of stiffness, but he's like, for the most part, the back's good. He's like, cool, let's have a look at your hands. Grabbed my hand, moved it around a little bit, went up to my elbow, and then he's like, okay, we start working. And all he did was dig his thumbs into certain areas of my forearm, release, and move my arm around into some positions. And it was fucking excruciating, right? Like he was, he was, it was like he was playing a guitar, like picking at different strings through my forearm and getting into like tissue that I didn't know was there. My fingers were, he's, he's doing the thing and my fingers are extending and contracting. And he did that for about five minutes on one arm and five minutes on the other. And immediately, like following that session, I was walking back out of the city, jumping on a train back to Bondi. 90% of the, of the discomfort had resolved. A week later, 90% of it was still resolved. Two weeks later, 90% of it was still resolved. I went back in for a second treatment with him. It was gone. I asked him when I should come back. He said, you probably don't need to come back for a long time. He said, you just got built up like a blockage of energy, as he called it. Mm. There's a blockage of energy at the forearm. And so it's pulling at your wrist. And that's why you're getting this. That's why you're getting this problem. He said, so all we did was just unblock it at the elbow. And he said, now the energy can flow back out. The energy can flow. Yeah. Energy, right? And I was like, dude, I don't give a fuck what you call it. You just saved me a surgery. And yeah. I did two treatments with him. And, uh, and that was it. And I think I, I've been back maybe once over the years. Because what I've realized is that the nature of the training that I do, I do get a bit of tension in my elbows and forearms. And... Um, I go back in there and he just gives me a little tune-up and it gets sorted. But I also get, say, you or whoever else is treating me to work on the same thing and can kind of take care of it. It's a very interesting story and it's one that I've heard a few times. But back when active release technique was becoming a thing, so the guy who invented it, a Cairo from Canada called Mike Leahy, and he found that there was a lot of limitations with traditional Cairo. So he's like, we can influence a lot of the nerves I want to influence, but there's still so many more that I can't. And so the system's flawed. And so he went away and he found a way to influence the muscles and the nerves in their own way, kind of with his chiropractic problem solving, but um, it's just an area that they weren't taught to touch. So he went away and he developed this system and he was fixing a lot of people, but he decided to start to put it out there. He got encouraged by a few people, like this is saving lives basically. You need to go show people. So he went to lecture to a bunch of hand specialists who were doing surgeries on hands and he goes, look, I've got a system that can fix carpal tunnel. And they were very dismissive at first um, as you know, experts in their fields can be. So they think, you know, my method's the best. This is how you solve carpal tunnel. And it's surgery. It's the best way to do it at the moment. He's like, send me your three best or three worst cases that you've got down that need surgery. And there's, you know, no argument that they need it. And that's the only way to fix them. So he went away and he fixed all of those people with active release technique with carpal tunnel. So that's kind of like the originating story. And it's in all the ART books that we get to 
learn the protocols. It's wow. it's really similar to your so, uh, story, and it sounds like what your guy was saying is an awful lot uh, like ART, except the lines that he's calling energy, it's a nerve entrapment. So, um, it's we're a terminology taught, thing. Well, yeah, yeah, he's he's getting rid of adhesions that are blocking the nerves. Yes. So that's where that's coming from. But I think your friends were right too. I'd by saying what you you had, the first area you want to get cleared is the neck. Yeah. Uh, if you're getting numbness and your hands are really inhibited, especially with what you do in jujitsu, they were right to to go straight to the neck. Um, it's just that that wasn't the problem. Such a good story. So real. I think back and I'm like, man, I'm so fucking glad I went because I would have had the surgery. And, you know, they say there's no side effects, but it's like cutting a tendon in the base of my palm. I'm sure it's going to have some kind of trade-off to grip strength or, you know, even just getting cut open. It's like you don't want to get cut, plus it's going to cost you thousands of dollars. You know, And it might not have fixed it? Um, it wouldn't have here and that because yeah, the well, obstruction right. was higher up. The elbow yeah. was, yeah, it was still a thing, right? Mm. I mean, that's, yeah, that's the crazy thing. But it was like, it, I was like, I've done everything and I'm, a, I'm being a responsible kind of, like I'm being very objective about this and I'm seeking the information and that's what I came to. And then it was just on that off chance, I'll go check this dude out. And I was like, motherfuck. But that happens so often. You'll hear of people with injuries, the same thing that happened on my hip. Thought it was going to mm, have to get mm. surgery. And then when they find the right practitioner who can just pinpoint that problem... Mm. Even if they've seen a lot of uh, competent specialists beforehand, sometimes it just takes a different view or for, you know, a massage therapist or an active release technique person or a chiro just to put their fingers on somewhere and go, no, there's, a, there's something there to find the root cause. Um, it's just sometimes it can just be really lucky. Like someone said off the cuff to Joey, you need to see this dude. And that guy figured it out. The, the crazy shit was other people, other body workers had worked on my elbows. Yeah. They'd massaged, yeah. they'd put needles in, they'd done all that stuff. And it just was different. It sounds like he had a system though. So he's tracing, he's going up everything, he's palpating everything. He's like, something here, something here, something here. Yep. And then if he's cleared that and there's still a problem, then it's probably time for surgery. My man. Hey, I wanted to ask you a question uh, uh, I'm thinking you might have a general recommendation here, but you treat a lot of people. You see a lot of people in our gym. Yeah. And safe to say most people who are adults, so people in their 30s and up, are carrying some kind of injury, some kind of, you know, dysfunction, whether it's a bad shoulder or an old knee injury or fucking, you know, a chronic little lower back thing, whatever it is. Is there like one or two or a few things that you you think general population could do better in looking after themselves in that realm, whether it's seeing someone like you regularly or it's devoting an amount of time each week to stretching or getting on a lacrosse ball. All of that stuff helps. So it's the same with training and moving. The more you can do things to look after yourself, the better you're going to feel. But if, if you're trying to train at a reasonable level and ask a lot of your body, there's going to be a certain amount of adhesions or shit that builds up in the muscles right you're asking a lot of it and just slowly and insidiously dysfunction will creep in it's just like if you have a messy room or you you've cleaned your room over the course of a week it's going to get messy if you're not conscious of it 
So the same happens to your body. So you just need to put in, in place uh, a system that's going to address these as it goes. So you might find, you know, every three weeks, I just find that, that my back starts playing up and I start to get tight in the hips. But I can sort it out if I go get treatment or it sorts out itself if I stretch for half an hour every week on Friday or something like that. So you just need to put, put in place a system to manage these things is probably the best recommendation. And everyone's got a slightly different system. It kind of comes down to getting to know your own body and, and kind of being the keeper of your own history. Fully. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Your, your onset might be quicker as yeah. well. You yeah. might find, yeah. I just need my weekly massage or else uh, shit hits the fan. Yeah. It's just dysfunction will creep in and that's a guarantee, especially as you get older and your training age increases and you move more weight and you ask more of your body. Um, so you just need a system to address that or you're going to spend a lot of time not training or not getting the most out of your training. I love having you downstairs or here the whole time. <laughs> I was like, you walked in the other day and I just looked at you. I was like, I need you today. Yeah. Do you, do you have time? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's been super good having you here for, for us as individuals, but for the members as well. Just having someone who can do the body work, who knows what's going on in the classes who's living that life and, and can go, yep, I can, I can do some work on you and 99 times out of 100, you can sort their problem out. It's super valuable. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I think it works quite well. It definitely seemed to align with what you guys were doing, me coming in here. So it's been a good fit. You're a decent bloke as well. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate it. Yeah, right. it's wrong. Yeah, me, bro. <laughs> it's I'm right. a sincere guy. Um, so I got three main takeaways from our chat today. We're going to wrap it up in a sec. Um, sure. Maybe, oh yeah, let me throw those out. The first is you want to, if, you, if you're looking for someone to help you with a thing, but let's, let's, let's keep it in this realm of body work, niggles, whatever, you want someone that can fix you, choose someone who knows what you're actually doing in your training. Choose someone that has an, an awareness of, of what your training looks like. I, I believe that goes a long way. Uh, the second part that I picked up from our chat was that the onus is on you as the client to ask the questions of the person who's treating you. Find out what they're doing. Find out if they have a system. Find out what their belief is as to why you have that problem so that you can start to learn if they're the right person for you. Don't just accept blindly what they're telling you because... You know, as we mentioned before, there's people out there that are busy, tired, shit practitioners, whatever, and you could be sitting in a room with one of them multiple times and shelling out a lot of money. And the third thing is, is what you just mentioned, put a system in place to manage your own body. And you've got to find out what that system is. You might be the kind of person that likes to lie around on a foam roller every day before you train, and that might be enough to mitigate your dysfunction, or you might be a bit lazy to that and you don't like stretching, so you find that getting a massage every week or every two weeks is your system. That works better for you. But having that system is what's most or important. Or people who aren't part of a gym who are listening might need to begin doing a bit of exercise. Yeah, start fucking moving, man. Mm. J-Bone, thanks for coming in today, bro. My pleasure. Tell thanks, us, how can, how can people get in touch with you? Where can they find you if they want to know more or if they want to book in? Yep. Uh, usually you can see me around the gym if you're a member of Jungle Brothers. So you just pull me up and say hello. Otherwise, you can find me on Instagram. So it's Jared underscore Thatcher. Spell it. J-A-R-R-O-D-T-H-A-T-C-H-E-R. 
And otherwise, you can get in contact with me through uh, Facebook as well. So you can just find me on Messenger. Same spelling. Nice, Jared Thatcher. Yeah, we'll put a we'll put a link to your um, Instagram account and shit on our Instagram post, anyways. Yeah. Uh, and if people just want to know more about it and hey, treatments work and stuff, they should reach out. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you have any questions about ART or how I treat things, uh, feel free to get in contact. So. And you can actually also check our blog on the JV blog. Jared wrote a blog a while back about what ART is. So if you would like to know a little bit more about it, that's a great place to start. Yeah. Go to that blog, have a little read. There's some testimonials there to give you a really good overview of how the <coughs> process works and what the benefits are. Yeah, and yeah. your Instagram has got some cool stuff in there too. Yeah, you put yeah, a yeah. lot of good little like rehab drills and stuff up there. Yeah, yeah. So you can check out that and then see if our views of the body align. And if they do, it might be a good fit. So there's enough in there to kind of see the way I'm thinking. And if it aligns with what you're doing, it might be a good fit, yeah. Nice, bro. Thank you, man. No worries. Thank Anytime. You, Thanks, Paul. Road. Thanks, Joseph. Thanks, uh, thanks listeners. Uh, that was episode 37 with Jared Thatch. Um, Jungle Brothers, you can find us at junglebrothers.com. Uh, if you want any help with your training or you want to know more about our internships or you just want some fucking help finding a good gym near you, uh, get in touch. You, there's, <laughs> a, there's a contact us or a learn more button and you can just flick an email to us. Um, we are running our internship for the next, currently halfway through the, the 2019 one. We have one booked in for uh, late February or early March next year. Uh, spots are half filled, so if you are interested in it, just reach out and I can give you some more information. Uh, I am also running a retreat in Sri Lanka in February 2020. Uh, so that's next year, 23rd of Feb, six nights in Sri Lanka with my friends Josh and Casey Cordoba. So if you're interested in a little training adventure overseas and an escape and learning some mad shit from us, uh, reach out on that too. Uh, thanks, listeners. If you enjoyed this episode and you know someone that might benefit from listening to it, please send them a link so they can have a listen too. Thanks, fam. Thanks, guys. Thanks.